Well, good morning, church. Good morning, Malaysia. I trust uh, that this message this morning finds you well and indeed in good spirits and health. You'll notice this morning that I'm wearing my JDT t-shirt just to make me feel a little bit more Malaysian. Um, in terms of, of Scotland and indeed our family, um, I'm glad to report that we are all well. Um, we're now well out of the, the summer season, as you can perhaps see behind me. The the nights have started to get dark at around 7.30. Um, long gone are the, the nights of evening sunshine that used to be there until 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. It's uh, one of the great things about living in Northern Europe is the amount of sunshine that you get during the summer. And when the nights start to close in again, and uh, eventually by winter time it becomes dark at four o'clock, it uh, can leave you feeling a little bit uh, depressed. And on top of that here, uh, unfortunately, it looks like Scotland and the rest of the UK are heading toward uh, another COVID lockdown situation or movement control order situation, as you call it in Malaysia, which is a rather discouraging and disappointing thought. Although this week I was reminded by my children, no less, of um, where to, to pin my, my hope and my um, trust in times like this. They were uh, singing an old tune and within that, uh, that, old, that old tune, that old song that they were, were singing is the words of Proverbs 3 and 5 and 6. Let me read them to you. It says this, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. My understanding of this pandemic is poor to say the least. The health consequences, the social interaction consequences, the economic consequences of this situation are severe. It's on a scale that I have never had to deal with in, in my lifetime and, and I'm sure that is true also for others. And there are lots of people out there far more clever than me who are also trying to uh, come to terms with how to navigate these difficult um, roads and, and paths that we all face. But we are called, are we not, just like we are called to obey the laws of the land and just like we are called to love our neighbours, we are also called to put our trust in God. And so if you're a little weary of this whole COVID situation, just like me, then please be reminded in your weariness and in your sadness and in your times of just disgruntlement to put your trust in God and to not let your own understanding or for me to not let my own understanding be my crutch. Rather lean on God, the only one able to make our paths straight. But for today, more importantly, I, I believe this is the last Sunday of the church's core value series. And the value that we've been left with today and the one that we're going to speak about is the value of growth and specifically spiritual growth. And if we were um, I know some of you are meeting in the church this morning, but if we were all there on the wall, you'll see a banner that says this, 
growing in our faith. Through the life-changing power of God and the help and input of our brothers and sisters, we learn what it means to grow in love, godliness and holiness. It says this, growing in our faith through the life-changing power of God and the help and input of our brothers and sisters, we learn what it means to grow in love, godliness and holiness. And the scripture that I'd like us to, to look at today to underpin this value that is written on our church wall, that is written on the website that we want to practice as believers, is taken from the book of Hebrews in chapter 10. And I would like us to look at verses 19 through to 25. So if you could turn to that passage with me just now, that would be great. That's Hebrews 10, beginning verse 19. And I'm going to be reading from the ESV translation. The, the text is titled this, The Full Assurance of Faith. So beginning verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a heart, true heart, sorry, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's pray, shall we? Loving Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for this time to, to come and meditate on your word this morning when all around us seems so chaotic and uncertain, Lord. We, we look to you just now for, for certainty. We look to you for um, assurance of our faith. Lord, we look to you to help us to understand what it means to grow as, as disciples of you. And Father, I pray that as we uh, consider these wor words from Hebrews, Lord, that we would be, that we would be challenged and encouraged. Um, and Lord, that more of your, your goodness and your glory would be revealed to us so that we would come to a greater understanding of just how good you are. So be with us this morning in your precious son's name. Amen. I'm not sure if this story is, is true or not, but its integrity to the actual outcome is, is somewhat irrelevant. Um, the story is this. Um, Albert Einstein, the great physicist, the one who developed the theory of relativity, was once at a dinner party. And at the course of that dinner party, during a conversation, um, the young lady who was sitting beside Albert Einstein and who happened to his be his neighbour, asked the white-haired old scientist this question. What are you actually by profession? Einstein took a deep breath and he said this, I devote myself to the study of physics. The girl looked at him in astonishment. 
You mean to say you study physics at your age? I finished that a year ago. I wonder if perhaps uh, that little anecdote is in some way similar to the attitude that we have toward spiritual growth. Do we sometimes forget to invest in our spiritual growth because we feel like we've already achieved it? Do we feel that we have no further growing to do at times? That's why I guess we, we do these set of values each year to remind ourselves of our continued need to develop as individuals and as a church in Christ. And so from our text this morning, I'm going to attempt to highlight three areas where I think this passage lends itself to supporting our core value statement. And to do that, I want us to ask ourselves three questions. I want us to ask ourselves why, I want us to ask ourselves what, and I want us to ask ourselves when. Why do we have these core values? Which part of the text really tells us why we need these values? Then once we have answered that, what do these values look like in the light of the text? And then finally, when do we do these values? How often, how regularly? What does the text say about this? Now, before I begin, I've tried to be clever about the questions, but I've not been clever enough to get them to flow with the text. So we're going to have to jump around a little. So it'd be really helpful if you keep your, your finger in that chapter in Hebrews. Firstly, then, why? Why do we want to grow? The answer to this is relatively simple. We should want to grow because we should want to become more Christ-like. There are not many easier or more comprehensive answers than that that ultimately don't say the same thing. God the Father desires a relationship with you and with me where he is more most glorified in you and in me when we in turn are most satisfied in him. And the only way that we can grow in satisfaction with him is to grow in him and to communicate regularly with him. These are the two facets that are the basis of any successful relationship. When I met my wife, Julie, we didn't immediately just become husband and wife. We didn't immediately become best friends and we didn't immediately fall in love. Maybe I did. But we had to, to work at our relationship. We had to grow into our relationship. We had to spend time together. And of course, we had to communicate. We had to communicate frequently and honestly. We had to communicate well. Let me give you another analogy, one that you've maybe heard before. A group of tourists visiting a picturesque village were walking by an old man sitting beside a fence. And in a rather patronising way, one tourist asked of this man, were any great men born in this village? The old man replied, no, only babies. Every person who is born again, every person who is a born again believer starts life as a baby in Christ. Whether the new convert is six or 60, that person is still a new Christian and needs to grow up in the Lord. A baby Christian who has been saved for 40 years 
is a tragedy because God intends for us to grow and to mature so that we can be a positive influence in the lives of others until we learn to, to dig into the meat of the word for ourselves. We will never learn to grow. And then when we look at Hebrews 10 and verse 22, we see this same requirement for growth. It says this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of our faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. The writer to the Hebrews invites us to draw near, that is to, to come close. The New Living Translation puts it this way, let us go right into the presence of God. And of course, this isn't speaking literally, but rather metaphorically. The author is encouraging us to commune with God, to correspond with God, to enter his, his spiritual presence through our worship and through our prayer and to centre our hearts and our thoughts on him. He is encouraging us to put our relationship with God first and foremost. And he justifies his rationale for this in the preceding verse. Read it with me. And since, this is the because phrase, we have a great High priest over the house of God, let us draw near. We draw near not out of false hope or to hedge our bets. The writer tells us that we draw near because we now have a priest over the house. The writer tells us that we draw near because that great high priest has intermediated on our behalf. And so the writer prompts us. He encourages us to seek, to knock on the father's door a father who is in the house a father who has made it possible for us to seek the house through the opening of the curtain we see that in verse 20 and who invites us to knock at the house so that we can receive him as he promised for he is faithful it says in verse 23 god desires a relationship with you that is close he wants you to draw near he wants you to hear his heart and what is important here for us to understand is that word draw is a verb, a doing word, so to speak. This requires a physical action on our behalf, a deliberate intention on our side to draw close to God. And that's why it's one of our core values. It's something that we must actually be doing. We must want to actively participate in growth. When we acknowledge our sin and when we become a Christian, this is what happens. Our hearts are sprinkled clean and our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus has paid our price. He has borne God's wrath on the cross for our sin and he has made us spotless before the Father. That is the life-changing, heaven-gaining, eternal difference that is made in your life. And it's solely down to the mercy and grace of God. But when we do this, we don't instantly become mature Christians. We don't morph into Billy Grahams or John Pipers or, or even Sam Chung's. We are young in the faith and we need to grow into spiritually mature Christians. It's only by growing into spiritually mature Christians that we can serve God better that we can serve our church better and that we can serve our family better. 
You see some phrase in, in Hebrews 10 that infers some of the traits of being spiritually mature. The writer says this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to draw, how to stir up one another. In order for you to have full assurance, in order for you to be able to hold fast without wavering, and in order for you to be able to begin considering how to spur on brothers and sisters on their walk with God, you need to mature as a Christian. This is why we have it as a value. This is what we, we want to create in this church. It's a, it's a culture that is conducive to developing our knowledge of scripture, a culture that encourages us to crave God's word, a culture that encourages us to pray alone and together, and a culture that makes us want to encourage one another to grow. So if that's the why, what is the what? What does it look like to be a church that adopts this value of growing? How does this pan out in our shared church life? What do we do and what do we practice to put this value into place? Well, Hebrews 10 also encourages us to grow together, to spur one another on. And one of the ways the writer expresses how he envisions this being enacted is through love and through good works. You see that in verse 24. And this is at least in part a carbon copy of our core value of growing. Through the life-changing power of God and the help and input of our brothers and sisters, we learn what it means to grow in love, godliness and holiness. One of my favourite verses of scripture is, is Proverbs 27 and 17, and I can still hear my late grandfather saying it just now. This is from the, the authorised version. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. In other words, iron sharpens iron as a man sharpens the mind of his friend. Literally, iron on iron, friend on friend, brother sharpens brother and sister sharpens sister. That is what we are here to do. That is one of the reasons we meet together, both remotely and together, just now socially distanced. That's one of the reasons that, as a church, IBCBI has always encouraged membership and accountability. Scripture tells us that we have to sharpen each other. We are to encourage one another. That we are here to spur one another on. And I'd encourage anyone listening here, to seek to develop relationships with brothers and sisters that you can trust. Not just so that they will become your friend, but so that they will truly hold you accountable. So that they will work with you. So that they will push you. So that they will encourage you to grow. That they will ask you those awkward questions about when you last prayed and when you last read your Bible. That they will take an interest in your faith. That they will take an interest in what you are learning, that they will be encouragers of you, that they will be challengers of you, that they will ask you how you spend your money, that they will ask you 
when you last witnessed for Christ. We want to be a body of believers that wants to develop together, to develop our understanding of the word and to encourage us in our pursuit of holiness. And if you're listening this morning and you want to do some of those things, but don't feel that you currently have someone that you feel that you can speak to, then it's really important that you, you step out and ask someone that you um, see regularly uh, in a position of leadership in the church, whether that be Sam or, or Eddie or any of the other regular attendees. We should be more than willing always to, to get alongside people and to encourage them in their walk. It's really important for us to mature both individually as Christians and collectively as a church. And if we as a church don't promote that, then we aren't serving the body effectively. God wants you to mature in Christ. He wants you to grow. Earlier on in, in Hebrews, um, from an earlier chapter, in chapter 6 and verse 1, we would read this. It says this, Therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. The Greek word uh, used in this passage in, in chapter 6 um, for maturity means perfecter. This is the level of maturity that God wants from you and me. He wants a perfect faith. And the only way for us to perfect our faith and our relationship with God and improve our walk in holiness is to do it by faith and obedience to his word. And when we speak about obedience to his word, we are speaking about the big things and the little things. We are speaking about how we honour our spouses, about how we deal with our families, about how we treat our friends and our work colleagues, how we look out for the poor and for the lonely and those that are scorned by society, how we stand up for the oppressed and how we act justly. We are speaking about how we read God's word, about how we pray, about how we seek to increase our knowledge of him. We are speaking about how we spend our money and how we give to the church. We are speaking about what we prioritise, about what we watch and how we work and what we listen to and what we say. We are speaking about what we think, what we chase after and what we desire and what we love. We are speaking about who we glorify and who we trust to refine our faith. We are speaking about Christ-centred growth. And so if we've understood the why and we have seen the what, where is the when? When should we look to encourage each other to grow? Look with me at verses um, 24 and 25. 24 says this, And let us consider how to stir one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The writer here speaks with a sense of urgency. 
He clearly advocates regularity when speaking about meeting together. He has identified people who don't meet together regularly and he says that they have a habit of neglecting to meet and he encourages the opposite when addressing the Hebrews. I am, in a sense, if you're listening to this, preaching to the converted. But these couple of verses are to be taken with heat. It is important for us to understand that in order for us to grow together, to have the opportunity to pray together, the opportunity to read the word together, the opportunity to worship together, the meeting as a body has to take form, some form of priority in our schedules. This church meets together every Sunday morning at the same time, be it on Zoom or be it socially distant just now in IBCBI, at the same time every Sunday morning to worship, to pray, to teach and to encourage. And it's more important now, maybe more than ever, that you don't let other things get in the way of meeting together. It's very easy to not log on to Zoom. It's very easy to sleep in on a Sunday morning. It's very easy to miss the start time. But if we know the day, if we know the start time, we have to strive to meet those if we're going to fulfil our obligations truly to our brothers and sisters. Now, I appreciate that some people work, that some people perhaps travel and that some people have uncooperative kids who are sick of watching their parents spend time in front of iPads and computers at a time like this. But we have to prioritise meeting together as a church. What is more important on a Sunday morning than joining in corporate worship to marvel at God's greatness and glory in Jesus Christ? Is that not a good enough reason for logging on to Zoom or getting to the church at the right time? And the same applies for Bible studies and fellowship. If you are part of this body, you have a duty as part of that body to serve it well. You will not grow as fast as you can or as well as you can if you let other things get in the way of meeting regularly or not giving it your full intention. There's an intensity in this passage. Look at some of the words that is used by the writer. They are absolute words, no half measures. True heart, full assurance, hold fast, unwavering. And you get a sense here that the writer is encouraging us to never cease from loving and doing good works. To never cease from drawing on in and pushing toward Christ. And this intensity is consistent with all other parts of Scripture. If you were to look at another book, for instance, 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5, you would see this at verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's the same style, isn't it? There are lots of absolute phrases there. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. When someone asks when we should encourage, the real answer 
is literally all the time. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, draw close to God and have a heart full of assurance for your faith. Now obviously none of us do that literally all the time. But just because we don't do it all the time doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to do it all the time. God recognises our weakness. That's why we have grace. God is a merciful Father and he is always good. There was a theology student from um, Los Angeles that came to study his, his, his post-doctorate in Scotland whilst um, we lived there prior to heading to uh, be with you for a few years in, in, in Southeast Asia. And uh, occasionally he would preach at the church and uh, comparatively to, to US churches, and I'm sure uh, Sam will affirm this, British churches um, tend to be a little bit more reserved. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, British people are a little bit more reserved. That's why we have a prime minister that you've probably uh, never heard of and uh, our dear brothers and sisters in the US have uh, Donald Trump and his uh, flamboyant character. But this, uh, this postdoc student from from Los Angeles, used to always start his sermon by standing up and saying this, God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. And then he would ask the congregation to, to repeat out loud, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. And he would say this literally four or five times at the start and then perhaps sometimes at various junctures during his sermon. And I used to watch others in the congregation and probably myself uh, start to squirm in their chairs and nervously repeat as if it was some sort of offence to speak out loud. That God is good all the time and all the time God is good. But church, if we really believe that, then these values that we are speaking about should come naturally. Hebrews 10, when it begins in verse 19, proclaims that God is good. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy of places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of our with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. God sent his son out of his goodness. Christ opened the way through the curtain out of his goodness. Christ bore our sins on the cross out of his goodness. The curtain was the divide between a broken and sinful world and a holy God. And through his flesh, that's Jesus' physical death on the cross in our place. And then by his resurrection, we can now enter the holy place. And not only can we enter, but we can do so in a confident manner. 
with a heart full of assurance, with a knowledge that we have been redeemed. And therefore today, friends and, and brothers and sisters, let us not be people who neglect the value of growth. Let us pray regularly for our brothers and sisters, for we know that God listens to our prayers. Let us draw in close to God because we know he responds. Let us grow in him because we know that with maturity comes satisfaction in him and he becomes more magnified in us in return. And let us do these things regularly. Let us set aside time for corporate prayer. Let us set aside time for our brothers and sisters. Let us set aside time for, for hosting them in our homes and for listening to their concerns and to upholding them before the Father. Let us show people that we care. Let us demonstrate that by prioritising the time that we spend with them. Let us glorify God by growing in him. Say this with me. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that you're a, a good God and a holy God. A God who loves us dearly. A God who sent his only begotten son to, to earth to grow up as a, as a child and as a man. To mature physically before um, this people of this world. Lord, but always knowing that he was to be the one who would ultimately open the curtain that separates us from you. And Father, we thank you for that gift of grace, that obedience of the Son to the Father that ultimately allows us to enter into a holy arrangement with you, an eternal arrangement with you. And Father, we pray that we would desire to, to grow in our knowledge and in our understanding of you, that we would seek to better ourselves in our faith, that we would seek to love our brothers and sisters better, that we would seek to read your word more, that we would seek to pray more, that we would seek to engage with your Holy Spirit that lives within us, to be bright lights in this dark and uncertain world. And Lord, that we would serve your purposes effectively in our generation. Lord, please help us not to be immature Christians for years and years to come. Spur us on, encourage us, Lord, we pray, and help us develop to be greater magnifiers of your holy and saving work that's taken place in our lives. Lord, be with, with our friends and with my brothers and sisters in Malaysia and in the States and in Holland and all over the place. Lord, we just pray for your goodness and your grace to be upon them. 
In your precious Son's name. Amen.